welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And it's been and that, three weeks this time. And that meow you heard was Fliffa. Oh yeah. He's it's it's great. Like as soon as I started the call, he was He, <laughs> he knows. Up, yeah, he, no, knows he knows but it's happening. And like he was all curled up in a nice like patch of sun on the on the bed. And he's very warm right Ooh. now because of the warm cat because is the of best. that. I know, it's great. And and yet <laughs> he abandoned his cozy little purse. Because he loves you so much. To be fair, as far as like pattern recognition goes, uh, it'd be pretty easy by this point for him to tell when you are starting the podcast because you say literally the same thing every time. Well yeah, but he was he was sitting here as soon as I started the call, like before before I even did the intro. It's Maybe he can faintly hear the the Skype uh, ringing coming through your headphones. Maybe he can. I think, despite how dumb he is, I think he actually is quite smart. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe I've told this story before, but um, <laughs> that's, at, that's a great description of cats generally. <laughs> yeah, but at um, at my old old apartment, um, our our unit was right by like the stairwell, so. Mm-hmm. People like we could hear people kind of stomping up and down the stairs all day, uh, and my my ex boyfriend told me that uh, he would never react when when you heard someone else coming up the stairs. But when I was coming up the stairs and coming home from work, he would always get up and just go to the door and wait for me. Like he could tell Aww. that it was either a the time that I got home or b he could like tell my footfalls or both. So that's great. That's it, adorable. It is cute. So, I think he's smarter than... Or he can see the rare wolves. An unforeseen possibility. Mm. Yes. I mean, I think a lot of cats have that power. That's uh, true. To see, to see unseen things. Uh, my friend Mike's cat is like... She's just like... She's an odd cat. She's just like absolutely terrified sometimes for apparently no reason. Yeah. And she like... Stares into space like she's super spooked. I hate it um, But that it's like, but she doesn't do it apparently for things that are like actually frightening. She only does it for like specks of dust and things like that. So possibly she is like seeing ghosts and she is afraid of these ghosts, but like her fear levels are so high that like she's not afraid of other things just because the ghosts are so damn scary. <laughs> I, um, oh man, I hate it when when you're like sitting with a pet and the pet sees something or they act like they see something somewhere and and there is nothing there apparently like i it happens all the time uh like with the dogs when i'm house sitting because like this house is in the middle of nowhere basically uh and if you're next to a window like it's just black outside at night like you can't see a goddamn thing and sometimes the dogs will just start staring at a window or like barking like you know there's like deer and coyotes and yeah things like that so that's always what it is probably but it's just like stop doing that you can be (laughs) real nervous Hmm. pet stories on the podcast maybe they just want to piss you off that's true that is always a possibility there was a there was a story I read about um, a group of dogs that like this farmer owned um, and one of them uh, learned that so so they all got like fed at the same time 
uh, and one dog, uh, started doing a thing where when they were just getting fed, he would run over to the gate where their, their master usually came home from and like bark at it like crazy so that the other dogs would think that the guy was coming home and then he would race back and eat all the food. Oh. <laughs> While they were distracted barking. Smart doggo, but also <laughs> poor doggos. <laughs> Devious, crafty doggo. Yeah, no kidding. Probably a little, little chunky doggo. Ah, so, did y'all do anything over the past three weeks? Uh, hmm. I went to my niece's fourth birthday party yesterday. Oh yeah, you tweeted pictures about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was unicorn themed. Um... Oh, that's where you made the uh that like watercolor, huh? Yeah, that's yeah, her that's That her was a really thing. nice watercolor, by the yeah, way. I'm like it's my newest medium that I'm trying to work in. I'm liking it so far. I don't like I thought I hated painting, so I don't know why I wanted to learn watercolors. <laughs> but, but, like because I basically have only done acrylic and man, acrylic isn't fun. I don't like it at all. Uh this is a lot more fun. Um so, so yeah, the, the birthday party was yesterday. Uh, unicorns are her new favorite thing. There were, like, 12 uh, mostly toddlers and, like, a couple of, like, barely walking babies. Uh, and then, like, all their parents. And me. <laughs> <laughs> like, the only unmarried, childless adult at the, at the, at the entire thing. Um, that was fun, though. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I think it's been since the last time we recorded that uh, Square Bowl happened. Oh, yeah. So uh, that was on Super Bowl weekend. My friend uh, Teddy and his friend Adriel, every Super Bowl weekend, do a like a charity gaming stream where they pick a Squaresoft game and it for the whole weekend as like a nonstop marathon from... Friday night to like Sunday night. They try and they usually try and beat the final boss at the halftime show of the Super Bowl if they can. Um, nice. And this year they played Chrono Cross and raised like over nine thousand dollars for charity. So that's cool. Nice. Yeah, that's a I don't know beating a, a SquareSoft game in like a weekend that just seems like such a lofty. Well, it's, I get they so have, bored. like, 48 to 50 hours, and they, they like, trade yeah. off, right? Because they, none, none of them can stay up entirely that yeah. uh, that long. So they do basically, like, um, they sleep in shifts, and then they hand stuff off, and they have, like, a bunch of other game devs who, like, visit and hang out and, like, <laughs> bring them food and things like that. So, yeah. uh... Gotta have your support team. Yeah. That was so. That was a lot of fun. I spent a lot of the the Super Bowl weekend watching that, and it was a good time. Carl, what have you been up to? Um, I'm been eating pastries and watching the Olympics. Nice. Ooh, nice. That's my three weeks. <laughs> I've got I've got pieces of the Olympics here and there. Um, I haven't been watching it all the way like solidly, but uh, I saw. The, the couple that did the, the like ending song from Yuri on Ice for their ice skating routine. I heard about that. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> and uh the the Japanese woman who did like the Sailor Moon cosplay, except I think that wasn't actually from the Olympics. I think that's from a previous no. thing that she did. Yeah. That wasn't Olympics. 
Yeah, I think she's Romanian or something as well. Yeah. She's Russian, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. Something. Some, something, yeah, over there. Um, yeah, that, uh, yeah, I've been seeing that passed around and that, that wasn't at the Olympics, but man, is it cute. Yeah. So, I don't even care. Um, I know the... I mean, I really like ice skating, but once you're, like, near it and you actually hear how it sounds, it just puts me off because it sounds so rough. You don't like the, the scraping of the, uh, of the, no. like, skates on the ice? <laughs> it doesn't, like, fit everything else. That is true. It's, that's one of those things you don't really think about, um, because, I don't know, you're always hearing uh, musical accompaniment. I do know that the, um, the guy who took gold in uh, men's figure skating uh, a Japanese guy like the internet loves him because he looks like a Yoshitaka Amano illustration <laughs> like he's basically a Final Fantasy villain and it's great that's cool so yeah the Olympics this is like super relatable I content am... everyone can so, relate well, to the Olympics I mean yeah uh the uh okay so if you if you had to be like you know from age of five like <laughs> picking an Olympic sport to train in and become amazing at, what Olympic sport do you think you would do? Oh man. Hmm. Because I have an answer for this one. Wait, do they? Okay, this is gonna be a dumb question. They do they have they have like horseback riding stuff in the summer Olympics, don't they? I think not? so. Okay, that's what I was thinking. I think they do. I don't usually watch much of the Summer Olympics because it's not as interesting. Um, probably something like that. Although I do remember one summer when I was in high school, um, I, I was awake at like three in the morning or something, and um, the only thing on TV was uh, women's badminton. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's so fun. Yeah. What? Man, those girls go. They go real hard. <laughs> And badminton's pretty fun. I had to play badminton. Um, we had a badminton unit in like my gym class in high school, so maybe <laughs> I also took badminton that. in college. We were required to take uh, three three physical uh, activities uh, before the end of sophomore year, so that we wouldn't like die from bad health <laughs> as freshmen, basically. Um, which is it's like a credit and a half, yeah. um, but it was. Uh, Badminton was one of the ones I did. I think I think my sister also had the same requirement when she was doing her undergrad because I remember uh, when I was when I was doing badminton in high school, she was doing badminton in college, and so <laughs> she was super excited and made me play badminton once when I like came up and visited her. Playing badminton for health reasons is insane because that sport is dangerous. <laughs> That's how you ruin your like knees and. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was college like gym class badminton, so it wasn't like anybody there was super good at it. So it's like we're required to do this, so we're gonna put in just enough effort badminton. Yeah, I tried to I tried to pick the three things that would involve uh, like the least amount of running. So I did I did badminton, yoga, and golf. Yeah, I did. I did like circuit weight training in high school because that didn't require running. Uh, nice. And I I got 
a little strunk that semester. Olympic weightlifting would also be a good thing to train for. Oh, man, but there's all those, like, bad instances of dudes just, like, dislocating their shoulders or... Like, I feel like every Olympics there's there's a really bad, like, dislocation. Uh, that I could be. I mean, all <laughs> Olympic sports are kind of dangerous, I guess. Um, but so, for, from Summer Olympics, I would actually probably do, like, fencing. But from the Winter yeah. Olympics, from the Winter Olympics, I would definitely do luge. Because that's like, you, you fucking are a race car. <laughs> it's amazing. Or what's the one where you go head first? Uh, is that skeleton? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think, I think it's that's skeleton cool. where you go head first, which is like it's like let's take the luge and make it even more dangerous. Yep. <laughs> like you could you could legit die doing that, but it looks like so much fun. <laughs> Wasn't it someone that like did die last Olympics? Oof. I don't know. Possibly. Okay, how many people do you need for a bobsled team? Can we just be a bobsled team? <laughs> That's a good question. I think you need four. I was, yeah, I think you I think you do need four. Oh, I fully, I bet, I fully I bet, Eve, I bet Eve White would do it with us. Yeah. All right. The the Republic of Endefendia uh, bobsledding team. We're coming for you in four years, Olympics. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I I used to do a lot of sports, but I did like sport that isn't so worldwide. Well, I did do, like, soccer for, like, seven years, but... Oh, yeah. And that's technically in the Olympics, but no one cares about it. <laughs> do do people not care about... I mean, that's hilarious, because ke- people care about soccer so much, like, for, like, well, World Cup and stuff, but... Yeah, but the Olympics has, like, some weird rules, where you're only allowed to have, like... Uh, an under 21 team with like, I think you're allowed to have like three over. It's some huh. really weird rulings. That's bizarre. That is weird. Huh. Well, no wonder uh, people don't uh, care. All those extra rules. So, so what do you do that's like not generally like worldwide sports? Or what did you do? Um. So I did some like. I don't know, it's called military running, maybe? Ooh. Where you have, like, a map and a compass, and you run between checkpoints in the woods. Oh, nice. That actually that sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, thing I did, like, you know, main sport was, like, floorball, which is similar to field hockey. Oh. Okay. Okay. Are these, like, secret Swedish sports? <laughs> or... No, I mean... <laughs> I want to hear about your secret sports. <laughs> <laughs> or would you have to kill me? It's. I mean, it's definitely Scandinavian. Yeah. The uh, military running that just reminds me of um, my my sister and my brother-in-law uh, turned me onto a an old old-ish uh, Canadian reality TV show from like I think it ran from maybe 2000 to 2007 ish. Um, the show is called Man Tracker, <laughs> and they they take like two contestants, and sometimes sometimes they're athletes, and sometimes they're just really fit people, and sometimes they're like regular Joes, and they they drop them off in the wilderness, and they give them like a map, and I don't know, they have some supplies, like I think they have some some packs full of supplies, um, 
and say, okay, you have to get to this point, like however many miles away, and they have two days to do it. Oh, and yeah, get, there was a there was an American reality show that was like that too. I think it was there, but was, they they yeah, give them like, they give them an eight hour head start, and then they release a professional tracker, the man oh. tracker, and um, the man tracker doesn't <laughs> the man tracker. Um, he has a name. It does. His name is irrelevant. The man tracker um, doesn't know where they're going, so he has to basically like intercept them before they get to the. Um, the 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 starting or the ending point. Fascinating. Um, yeah, that's an interesting twist on it. It's on YouTube. Uh, a lot of a lot of the episodes are. So if you're interested in that, uh, check out Man Tracker. That sounds fun. Yeah. Um. The the American one I think was like there were a couple teams that are dropped off in like different remote places with like no idea where they are and like a certain amount of money. And they have to get, they all have to like get back to New York and whichever team gets their first wins or something like that. Oh, is that, um. It's like Great, Greatest the, Journey or something like yeah, that? That sounds familiar. There, man, yeah, there are. Seen something like that. There are a lot of, a lot of reality shows. You, think you know that you come, can, they uh, stop having ideas. You, <laughs> you know you can sort of play that, those games, uh, on your own via Google Maps. Which was a popular meme for a while, which was the airport game, where you like, there was, I don't know if it still exists, but I think there was a feature that lets you like, like, set, like, just go to a random location in Google Street View. And so the goal was like, using only Google Street View, try and find your way to the nearest airport so you can get home. Oh my god, that sounds, I, I feel like I have vaguely heard about that. Um, yeah, that still exists. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds like a good way to, completely waste an afternoon. I'll probably end up doing that. Uh, <laughs> I prefer to, like, go to a random place and try and get where you are in the world. Yeah, try and figure it out. Yeah, try to swim across the ocean. <laughs> anyway, we should probably talk about, like, the game that we played. Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, since it involves going home, kind of, uh, the game that we played. <laughs> Segway! The game that we played, um is Grow Home from uh, Ubisoft Reflections. And it is a game where you play as a drunk little robot. Such a drunk robot. Yeah. <laughs> I did not realize you said that last time when you were introing it. I did not realize how drunk this robot was. Yeah. Um, and you you get orders from like the, the computer aboard your spaceship and basically, it's a research sort, like a sort of a research vessel, researching like plants and animals on these uh, planets. So you have to grow this giant star plant that gets you uh, back up to your ship. Yeah, and your name is Bud, and the computer's name is Mom. Yeah, I, I know Bud stands for a botanical utility droid. I can't remember what Mom stands for. Yeah, neither can I. Mother, probably mothership something. Yeah. Um, it stands for no one actually cares. Yeah, basically. She makes she does make slightly snarky comments at you sometimes, though. Yeah, and uh, in the in the like plant and animals catalog, there are there are really cute uh, little blurbs. Like there's a, a carrot-like plant, and you you scan it, and the text that mom gives you says like, "Huh, I looked up this plant and found fifteen thousand recipes for cake." And one recipe for brownies. 
who tries to make brownies out of a carrot. Carrot. <laughs> yep. She's good. I like mom. She also, every time you, uh, not every time you die, every time you die, I think every time you die, she makes some kind of snarky comment like, you should try and be a little more careful or, it's not always snarky. Sometimes it's like, yeah, hey, you're doing a good job. Yeah, she's a nice um, blend of snark and support. Like, I just made a gift set of you falling off things. It's super cute. <laughs> Yeah. So the primary verbs of this game are like climb and grow because Don't you can fall. Well, and yes, fall. also fall fall slash fly depending on what equipment you have. Yeah. Um so little, like as a you... little bit of collect, I would I mean more than yeah. a little bit of collect, but yeah, not, yeah. not as much climb and and fall and grow. Yeah. So yeah, so you you can you literally separately control each of the robot's hands via either your two mouse buttons or what I think like much more natural feeling uh the the shoulder buttons uh on your controller. And uh you so you have to you can like while you're holding it down you're gripping with that hand. So you like grip and move in order to climb. And you climb up this giant plant, and when you get to certain buds on the plant, you can grow them, at which point you ride them like some kind of crazy snake as they, and try and grow them in the direction that you want them to go. And, uh, yeah, so you try and, like, continually grow upward. Uh, you collect, um, like, crystal shards to, to gain power-ups along mm-hmm. the way. Um, and then, it's, I guess there's a... Like, the other, mechanically, there's a few things that you can collect that, like, give you temporary boosts. Like, there's a little flower that's like a parachute mm-hmm. that if you fall off a thing, you can, like, slow your fall. Uh, and then there's a leaf that's like a glider. The, the leaf glider's so much fun. I love the leaf glider. <laughs> it took me a while to, to sort of warm up to the leaf glider. I did not like it at first because I just, like, I was so used to the, the falling physics with the daisies. But after I got after I got used to it, and after I got the jetpack that you get for getting a certain number of uh, shards, mm-hmm. like that makes it much better. I feel like. Yeah, it's it's like the the thing that you get for collecting all of the crystals. Um, if you didn't do it, I didn't do it on this play. I did it uh, the first I, time though. I did it on oh, this yeah. play. So you you get infinity jetpacks, so you can just fly wherever you want. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yep, they're like, okay, you you clearly like. Went through the effort of like climbing over every available surface, not using infinite movement. So as a reward, here's infinite movement. Just go wherever the hell you want. Yeah, you know. Just go finish the game already. Yeah. Yeah. And by the time you get all the crystals, it's like you've basically already beaten the game. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter, but it's still fun to kind of fly around and. Yeah, and I got all the crystals before I had finished the like um, extra end mission. So oh, once yeah. you get once you get to the top and you're like, Hooray, I've you know, reached the uh I've reached the top, here's the plant, uh then the computer's like, This is amazing. Can you please bring me like eight seeds from the plant that are scattered throughout because they like fall off the plant when you uh when you get it up there. She's like, Can you will you agree to bring me eight seeds from the plant that are scattered around the place? And you can choose to accept that or not. And if you do, it's just like more exploring of the areas you've already been to. Yeah. Um, but I had not yet completed that when I got all the crystals. So it was useful for me to find the last couple seeds to have the infinite movement. Yeah, that is true. Um, 
And then there's there's also like teleporters so that you can uh, get from place to place a little quicker. Um, but the secondary sort of use of the teleporters is that if you drag a plant or an animal into the teleporter, it scans it and you get a little blurb about it and it's just like, it's mostly just a completion thing. But it's cute. I enjoyed doing that. Yeah, and as you as you complete certain things, um, you get uh, you get like, you unlock like extra skins that your robot can wear, yeah, most of which are just aesthetic. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that because I, I didn't uh, use those at all. Yeah, I think one or two of them actually have an effect. I think right now I'm wearing the ninja one, which like doubles your jump. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, jump length or something like that. So there was also one that was kind of in poor taste a little bit, which is like a Native American gear thing, which I'm like, not sure how I feel about that. I don't remember that one at all, but yeah. I forget what bit. you get that one from. I think you get it from scanning everything. Maybe not. Um yeah, the scanning is fun because, like, some of it is you just have to scan, like, pull up different plants and bring them to the nearest teleporter. But some of the things you have to scan are animals. So you have to, like, grab it and manhandle it over and sometimes, like, fall a good deal with it. And and pray that you don't drop it and it shatters into a bunch of little polygons when it hits the ground. That's always yep. uh, traumatic when you just yeah, have, like, so a pair of eyes floating in the ocean. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, the last thing of them that remains is just a pair of, like, reproachful eyes. <laughs> Which is, yeah, very guilt-inducing. Um, so there's, like, there's, like, sheep-type creatures, which are, there's, like, a white sheep and a black sheep, and then there's, like, dodo-like creatures, these weird little bird things, mm-hmm. which are pretty dang cute. And there's, um, a bull. Which mm-hmm. is the like the only thing that's really hostile towards you, uh, and you don't have to scan it, which is good because you can't <laughs> you can't actually like move it by dragging. Because mm-hmm. uh, it whenever it sees you, it tries to charge you, and like knock you over. I didn't see there. So there's an achievement you can get for uh, knocking the bull into. There's like a little hole in the mm-hmm. center of the cave where you find the bull. Yeah. Uh, and if you if you like. Uh, lead it into the hole by like jumping at the last minute um, then there's an achievement for that uh, and not knowing that when I first got to the cave I was like I wonder if I can get it to like run out of this entrance and fall infinitely downwards <laughs> and I did and they actually do have a guard against that because they put these like bouncy plants near the entrance so that if it hits them it like bounces backwards into the cave. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. if you're very careful, there's like a narrow path right through the center. So if you get it aimed very precisely, you can get it to fall. And I did, and I got it to fall. It actually fell down and then caught on a leaf and it just hung out on this leaf for a little bit. And then I went down there and I got it to fall further. Amazing. It respawns once it dies. Yeah. So, so you never fine. have to feel too bad about uh, murder. <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could do it. Oh yeah, no, I totally, I totally did it. Like I, I have every achievement in this game. I think it's the only game that I have every achievement in. Honestly, I, there's one achievement I didn't get because it seemed like really hard and kind of frustrating, which is the bouncing on top of mushrooms achievement. Uh. You have to spend like two solid oh, yeah, minutes, two minutes comboing on a mushroom cap. Yeah, 
that that one seems is, difficult. I know the one that I the last that one seems that I tedious. Yeah, the um the one that I got last was the one where you have to let go of and then grab back onto your leaf glider in midair. Yeah, I, I that one was I yeah that one was difficult. I don't remember how I got it, uh, but I got it somehow. So yeah. I almost got it naturally just in the progress of playing because there was at one point where I was like falling and then I looked up and I'm like, oh, hey, my leaf is falling right over there. But I could not get to it in time, uh, unfortunately. Dang. I did get it eventually, though. Um, I will admit I had enough fun with this game that uh, since there's a Steam sale on right now, I did buy the sequel. I haven't played it yet, but uh, I went and got it. It's the the mechanics of it feels like surprisingly just like smooth and pleasant to do. It's pretty relaxing. Like it yeah. can be frustrating to fall a long ways, but there's no penalty for dying. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, oh well, I guess I'll just have to climb some more. Yeah, and the the sequel is basically just this but a lot more of it. And then there there are some like additional little like challenge trials. Uh you get a a, a I guess a movement mode where instead of running, you like roll up into a little ball and you like tumble <laughs> around, which is my favorite favorite thing. Which they also do it in uh, Super Mario Odyssey, <laughs> nice. <laughs> which makes even less sense because it's you know if if you're a robot, it makes some sort of sense that you could be engineered to like into a sphere where you can just roll around. But Mario just like curls up and roll like. Uh, hey, if it's good enough for Samus. Yeah, that's true. Um, that the, that's also a thing you can do in, uh, Majora's Mask when you're a Goron. Yeah. You can, like, roll into a ball and roll around. And that was, like, my favorite way of just moving through the terrain. It wasn't, like, you could easily bump into things and, and get stalled. Um, so it wasn't, uh, like a super efficient way necessarily of moving around, but it was just really fun. Yeah, like, I did that way more than I then I called for Epona if I needed to get somewhere sort of quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. The by by default though, like the standard movement for the robot when it's just on a flat surface and wandering around is this real drunken little stumble. It's a very strange movement. Um like I don't think I've ever felt something that moves in quite that way in another game. Yeah, I think, uh, I think... I mean, I, was, I assume it's, like, physics-based? Yeah, yeah it feels physics-based. Because I, I feel like I read about it being physics-based and that I couldn't, like, find where I read that again. Yeah, it does something like when you press a direction, it, like, inputs a force in that direction, so you gradually speed up until you're going at your max speed, Um and your your feet are just glued down to whatever surface you happen to be on. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not like your character like turns and moves in that direction. It's more like they start moving in that direction and then gradually turn to keep up with the way that they're go- to face the way they're going. And or the results... yes, like hold on to the ground at all times. <laughs> yeah, that's also a strategy. Yeah. Slower, but it's a, it is a thing that works. Yeah, uh, I spent a lot of time hopping when I was climbing because that's mm-hmm. a little bit easier to control. Um, but it 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 feels like difficult to control, but not in a way that's frustrating, which I think is an interesting balance. Yeah, um, mm. <laughs> a little agrees. bit frustrating. 
I think I think the most frustrating times I had with it was uh, if you're trying to like drag a heavy object. Like there's some crystals that you can only uncover by like it, it's covered by a bunch of boulders, so you have to move each boulder individually. And when you're dealing with uh, that extra force that it takes to move the boulder and also yourself, like it, it gets uh, tedious. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was sort of the only re- mm, real frustration I I think I encountered for the most part. Yeah, I I would say like in terms of doing physics movement in that way, it's much less frustrating than it could theoretically be. Like it would be very easy for controls like that to just feel broken, yeah. to just feel like this is just doesn't work, like this is awful. But it it has a certain like silliness to it a la like a quap but but not so bad like quap where you're like well this is entirely impossible why am i even trying i think i mean i feel like a lot of that has to do with just how cute everything is like it's <laughs> really too. it's really hard to get mad at this game because i mean well okay it was in the in like no i'm not mad at a game okay. like uh, this was released like when low-poly flat-shaded stuff started growing popular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I really like it. Yeah, I, the yeah the, the art style is good, although even if it weren't, like, the, the shaders, I think it would still be pretty cute just because the way the robot is designed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the art style feels really nice. It's just, like, it's colorful. It's, like, big, blocky shapes. Uh, and it just, I don't know, there's something kind of childlike and soothing about it. Yeah, I think the color, the color palette is like the, the biggest thing for me. Um, it's got, it's got a day and night cycle, which it, it doesn't need Oh yeah, the lighting, the lighting in that day night cycle is real nice. When it, when it gets to like sunrise or sunset, like sometimes I'll just find a vantage point and I'll just like stand and watch it just because Mm -hmm. it looks so good. I... Yeah, the day-night cycle does have an effect in that um, the crystals glow at night. Oh, yeah, that is true. Um, so it makes it, like, a little easier to find them. Um, same, I think same with the seeds. The seeds have a slightly different glow, but they're also hidden in such a way that they can be slightly harder to see. Yeah. I was pretty proud that I managed to find all of the... Because there's a hundred crystals to find. Uh, and I managed to find all of them without resorting to game facts, which I was happy with. Um, but they, they have a great upgrade that you get, uh, with enough of the crystals that is a crystal tracker mm-hmm. that just gives you like a hot and cold marker based on how close you are to the, to one of them. Yeah. And that's like super, super useful. Yeah, it really that is. Was, that was invaluable for finding them. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like even if you did have to, Fact the crystal locations. It wouldn't be helpful at all because it, no. it would just be like go to the teleporter and then go like turn like thirty degrees to your left and look up, you know, sixty degrees and it's well, on that island. <laughs> so I did, yeah, I did end up having to uh, fact one of the seed locations, mm-hmm. which ended up being in a place that I thought I had checked, but apparently oh. I just hadn't checked thoroughly enough. Um, but yeah, the directions are kind of like that. They're like, from Teleporter 5, like, look down and to the right. You will see, uh, like, a, a small river of stones, and it's it balanced in the middle of the river of stones. And <laughs> it's like, okay, I think I know where that is. Yeah, well, I mean, if it works, 
what, the what space else are you is... do, really? So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the, also there's like YouTube videos that just show going there, so you can be like, oh, that's, I guess I go here. That's true. I don't know how I forgot about those. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't think of I. I somehow always I think because we grew up in the like game fact generation where they were all like just you know plain text documents um but i always forget that like game facts is a hugely youtube thing now where it's just like yeah. here youtube someone going to all of the seed locations uh, i actually prefer to have it in text so do i because it's easier to like jump between stuff yeah, I, I agree. Although this one was very nice in that, like, in the description, there was a table of contents where you could just, like, click a link and it would auto-skip in the video to the point where that seed was. That's always nice. Yeah, that's like the, the control F of, of searching a, a text-based guide, basically. Yeah. Yeah, well, those old text guides were usually so huge that they had, like, a table of content, contents at the front that just had, like, there was a number a symbol code. for each chapter. Yeah, yeah, like a little code for each chapter that you could control F to go directly to that chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's still people that write this. There's oh, gotta sure there be. Are. There gotta be, yeah. Absolutely. I hope they still put super fancy ASCII art titles at the top of them. <laughs> Man, I hope ASCII art never dies. I hope it dies. I hope there's and stays dead. I hope there's a museum of ASCII art someday, like a physical museum. Probably all race. That's true. They just have it printed out on like big, big paper, plastered up on the wall. Yeah, ASCII I wonder, museum. I wonder if the Living Computer Museum has anything like that. Speaking of game tracking, like this has nothing to do with Chrome, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'm slightly annoyed with, like, new games, and you end up in, like, this Steam thread. Yeah. Something, and it's not a great, like, forum for... Yeah, you end up in a Steam thread, and it's, like, two or three people giving conflicting advice that's, like, not really that helpful. Yeah, I actually ran into that um, recently, not not with, uh, like, a facking situation, but a, like, tech support situation, because I realized mm-hmm. that I have had Bully, uh, the, the Rockstar game where you're at a boarding school. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had that game forever, and I've never actually played it. Same so I, here. So we should I do that for it. a podcast. <laughs> we should, because I would totally play it again. But, man, that game is, like, so poorly optimized. I think it's a, a combination of the PC port is not very good and it's just not very well optimized. It is a bitch to get running on Windows 10. Um, and there were like I was looking through <laughs> I was looking through Steam threads to try to figure out um, how to fix it, and there were like six different solutions and none of them worked. And half of them had to do with like, oh, download this patch that Rockstar put out. Except the patch that that it is, is just the, the version that they give you in Steam, so that doesn't help. And yeah. everyone's, like, touting that solution. Um, I finally fixed it by uh, by core locking, so that it only ran on two cores, and then it worked for the most part. Huh. It still crashed maybe, like, four times throughout my playthrough, but at least it ran, which is more than I could say for before <laughs> I, I core locked it. So, yeah, Steam, Steam forums... Uh, occasionally helpful, but mostly super not helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, to return to Grow Home, I'm trying to remember there was something I was going to say. 
Um, I don't remember what it is, so I'm going to go on to a different topic on Grow Home. Um, so I think seeds? it's uh, yeah, it was maybe something about the seeds and like having to find them. Um, I don't know. I don't remember. I did. I did like it enough that uh, I like. I did feel the urge to do completionist stuff. Like I really want to find all the seeds, and I really want to like go through and try these different achievements to see if I can get them. And I really do want to collect and scan all the animals because it just gives me an excuse to like wander around in the space some more and enjoy the controls. So I had a similar thing, which led me to do like nothing completion, but I started and I was like. I was super wanted to complete, and I wanted to grow every, like, part of the vine. That's physically impossible, isn't it? Because growing them sprouts new parts of the vine? It doesn't always. Um, So I just ended up with, like, a million seeds at the bottom level. (laughs) And, And then I sort of got tired of it. And then the rest of the game was growing more seeds, which... I was sort oh, so of you, already tired so of. You did that right away at the beginning. <laughs> yep. Oh. That's I. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the game is specifically designed to keep you from being able to like get yourself stuck by not having any more ability to grow. So I'm pretty sure it's physically impossible to grow every uh, every little bud from the plant. I would like, maybe. I would like to see what your plant looks like though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just sure like that's a, interesting. a rat's nest of vines at the bottom. I mean, I guess, I guess if sometimes you don't get a little shoot, or if you don't get any shoots off of the vine that you've grown, I guess, I mean, if if that is the case, then I you could sort of RNG it until until you're completely out of options. But that would be so many vines, that, and your screen would be just like, you wouldn't be able to move for wonder, the sheer wonder, density of vines. Yeah, I wonder how many vines it would take before the game just just gives up on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably, like, the, the rendering or memory is likely to give up before, uh, <laughs> before you reach saturation. Ooh, that would be That would be interesting. <laughs> just to test out. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it would be, it would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, Carl has wonder, already had enough. I wonder if they've play tested that. Like if they if they, you know, ran simulations on that to like how many will this build and like what's the point at which we think players would give up trying to spawn more vines and let's make sure it can hold that many at least. And like what's the point before we can blame the players. Yeah, before we can say, like, listen, if you went this far making finds, it's your own goddamn fault. If the game crashes. That's true. Eventually, I mean, eventually you gotta just throw up your hands and say, there are no more contingencies we can, uh, we can completely circumvent. It's on you now. Yeah, I could see that. Um... I, I assume they must have some kind of stress testing because in a game that's sort of procedurally generated like this, you you have to know where the edges are. Yeah. Um, it did a pretty good, I felt like fail safe of like making sure that you couldn't get stuck. And there's like a blow yourself up feature if you happen to get. I did like pick a flower and then fail to move, and the flower respawned right on top of me, and then I was stuck in the flower. Oh no. Uh, um, and couldn't move, uh, and had to blow myself up. 
But, like, for the most part, I didn't need to use the blow-yourself-up mechanic. I wish they put in autosaves in the game. Do they I not? played for, like, two hours, and then my game crashed. Oh, interesting. I thought they did do autosaves, but maybe they don't. Um, or maybe, like, my save got muked somehow. That could be possible, I guess. Um... I'm, or I, I could just be wrong. Like I, that's entirely possible. Yeah, I feel like there are autosaves, but I maybe I mean I don't. I guess I don't remember for sure. So. Yeah, my like my my biggest frustration with the game like had nothing to do with the game itself, um, but was the fact that I have a sort of broken controller. It's not the controller itself. I think it's just like the way the controller interfaces with my PC. Uh, but sometimes. Um, certain things cause inputs to get stuck on. Um, so, like, the forward motion would be stuck, and I could, like, only move forward until I unplugged and replugged the controller. And this happened, in general, pretty much any time I grew a vine, uh, which sucked. Yeah, that is that is unfortunate. Basically, anything that engages the rumble pack, huh. for the most part. Can you Can you disable... The rumble, like in, in probably, like there's probably I mean, a, a way that I can fix this. I just haven't looked into it enough. You can probably like remove it. I don't I, know if that's that's true because I think it's like a weight that's built into the controller itself. I think there's Maybe a setting that. where you can just turn it off. I know there there's been an occasion in the past where I've had to like go really really deep into my controller settings because it was doing something stupid. I I don't remember. Um, I'm pretty sure you could just like remove. The actual thing from over the hardware. Yeah, the thing is, I'm not sure yeah. if that will actually fix the problem because I don't know. If no. the, I don't know if the problem is hardware based, um, or if the, the hardware, like triggering the hardware, is just like triggers a problem, corresponding problem in the software end. Um, so I, I'd have to run some experiments, and I'm usually just too lazy to look into it. Yeah, that's fair. You go like, well, I don't really care enough. Yeah, it's like, well, I can just also unplug it and replug it, and then it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, I, mean, I guess and l- as long as it like kicks back in as soon as you plug it back in, and you don't have to like exit out of the game. To, yeah, you know, yeah. So that's not, yeah, that's not too bad. Um, but yeah, so uh, other than that, I mean, like there were a few like indie games sort of feeling like little bugs, like that thing with the flower. Um, but for the most part, as I said, it's like pretty good at not letting you trap yourself. It'd be interesting if you grow a bunch of those like crazy, crazy vines that are, you know, like if you did the thing where you tried to basically fill the entire game with all the vines. Um, I imagine that sometimes certain vines could grow close enough to crystals to like block off your access to them, mm. potentially. And I wonder if they have a fix for that. Um, I'm pr- I'm not certain, but I think they have like some kind of auto where they like twist towards it or like away from other ones. Yeah, they, they, yeah that seems like sort of it. Move on their own a little bit, and you can override it, obviously. But um, well now now I'm just thinking about uh, trying to grow vines out like past the the sides of the map, because most of the map is vertical. I don't think we've said anything about that. It's it's a really small, like, footprint, but it goes up really high because it's, you know, a game about growing something. But now I want to, like, try to grow out 
outwards and see how far it lets me go before it just turns you around turns automatically you around or, or like just dies on me I guess <laughs> yeah maybe it, if, if I were them I would like have a fail safe where if it got too far out it would just like auto stop the growth and like wither it yeah. because if you if you don't so the goal is to like there's all these floating islands and the goal is to grow to get to the floating islands to get more energy for the plant because it like sucks the energy out of the islands mm-hmm. um, and then you know that gives it more power to grow higher up um, although interestingly I wonder if you could bypass the islands by just continually growing up from the bottom oh that's See, we're, now we're just coming up with ways to, like, break the game, and I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be worth trying, to, like, just pick one of the bottom shoots and see how high up it lets you get um, before, and, like, just grow that. I mean, it like, it, you wouldn't beat the game, because the point is you have to get the bloom of the flower up high. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if you could reach the ship just by doing um, pieces from... Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Pieces from vines. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't. I don't see any reason why you couldn't. That's. Or like. I mean, growing out of sequence. So like, in, like completely bypassing the first chunk of energy islands and going straight for the second ones. Yeah. That way. It would have to be be like hard coded. Yeah. To like well, stop that kind of things. I don't know if it w- if it is though because like literally in order to finish the game. All it cares about is that, um, right, because you can't grow the central blossom on your own. So the only thing that it, the only way it has to measure is, like, have you connected a thing to all of the islands in the game? Um, and so, like, it, they probably don't care if you, like, go out of your way to do that out of sequence, right? Because there's no there's no good reason to do it, but it doesn't really hurt anything if you do. Well, it so, could be a thing like the game gets tired of your shenanigans and say, "Well, grow the main vine," because you're not. This is not really the game. Yeah, but it would In be case like, you, like don't understand what the point is. I suppose. Um, I mean, it does like pop up a bunch of tutorial text at you, it, like like leave it on yeah, the screen no if you don't do this if you don't do the thing for long enough. Um, but I don't know. I, it seems like it would be like more complicated to to program a failsafe than to just let the player do that. If if I were making it, I would make it so that like the only thing that matters is how many islands have you hit, because they are arranged in the space in such a way that it like it would be difficult and you'd really have to go out of your way to do it in the wrong order, um, because they are clustered based on the locations of the main island. Like each set is above one of the main big islands, so. Yeah. Um, but. You know, it might be worth trying. <laughs> it's worth an experiment. We've come into See what happens. Podcast with questions, and we've left with even more questions. <laughs> yeah. The biggest question I have is, why is the AAA studio doing these kinds of games, or like I, I this game? Th- I don't think they are. I assume that this is an indie game that Ubi just published for them. No, um, this is this is Ubi. Yeah, it was. Um, Reflections is a, an English studio, I believe, and they... It's they do, like AAA. They, yeah, and they, they were, like, purchased by Ubisoft uh, 
like not recently this has been a while ago um so they're sort of like one of their satellites so i don't know if 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 ub just sort of gave them free reign to like do something that's wait that's sort of what it seems like isn't it ub did shine the light as well right uh ub montreal i think yeah could have been like um, I think so. their thing. I mean, they have a lot of studios, and I'm sure they have yeah. a lot of different teams at different studios. And like, I think Ubi also published like that little RTS that uh, From Dust, I think it's called. Um, so I, you know, I'm sure that they have teams of various sizes in different places. Um, but I don't recall the credits being the usual like monster set of credits that are on Ubisoft games that take, like, three hours to get through. Yeah, no, this was, as far as I know, this was a pretty small team. Yeah, so I was going to say, so I assume that, like, the team that actually worked on it was probably pretty small, and it was just that, you know, Ubi was responsible for for publishing. And, I mean, it, it may be a small in-house studio that, like, is an Ubisoft sub-studio, but it seems like it was probably a small group of people. Like, it has yeah, a very like handcrafted. Yeah. yeah, it has a very handcrafted sort of feel to it, like a like a small team with a lot of love for the game. Yeah, uh, which I don't know could be a clever corporate ruse, I suppose. Yeah. I'm suspecting that's like Ubisoft's way of like let's split up and do small games. I think that's great. I actually wish that more big studios would do that. Because yeah. I'd rather get, like, I'd rather see the money going into, like, a hundred small interesting games than, you know, like, two Call of Duties, right? <laughs> because that's about the the cost differential when you're doing, like, a super high-scale AAA. Maybe. But also, you get, like, these really beautiful pieces, like Breath of the Wild and... Yeah, I mean, there's, there is room for both, and, you know, I would be sad if they weren't making another Kingdom Hearts game, so, there's, there's, it takes all sorts, but I do wish that, like, studios would try and at least run, like, one or two little experimental in-house, uh, indie studios, because I think that's a very fertile collaboration, because indies are usually, like, have a lot of good ideas and a lot of talent, but not the money to polish it properly. Yeah. So I, I like things fair, like a uh, lot of indie have pretty bad ideas as well. Well, yeah, obviously, but that's the thing about like doing a big studio is that a you can make sure that the the team you're working with is a team that you believe in that's going to have good ideas, uh, and b those studios have a ton of money. So if the the game is a failure, they're like percentage wise not out a lot. Whereas when a little indie studio does it, if they're if they fail. That could be like, okay, now you have to shut down because you spent all your money making this one game. Sorry. Yeah, or like, you you took out a second mortgage on your house to make this game, so now you are homeless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I I like the idea of like that. You know, that's how Journey was made. Was a AAA studio like taking a a small indie team under their wing and saying like, hey, we'll give you you know offices and computers and like a salary. And you make us some kind of like really cool indie game, <laughs> and they did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Reflections and, isn't really like a, a fledgling team, though. I mean, yeah, they've done a lot, um, and a lot of it's like co-co developing stuff. Like they, 
they they co-developed like both of the Watch Dogs games with um, UB Montreal, but they also uh, are responsible for like the Driver series, like all like that's just that's just these guys, um, and hmm. yet and yet grow home and grow <laughs> home or grow up. <laughs> yep, and you know maybe like also they make some games because the studio is like, hey, you need to make this game because like. Someone pitched it and like we we feel that this is going to appeal to the demographic and you know the the facts and figures say that this is the game we should make so you should make this game yeah. and then after you make this game we'll let you make like the weird little indie project about a robot and a plant that you wanted to make that'd be great like a, a gold star system like you you put in <laughs> so much time on on like big bland shoot gun game. And you accumulate stars, and then if you get enough stars, it's like okay, go make, go make a game about uh, hugging. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that would incentivize me to work on yep. uh, to work on uh, like first person shooters. Is if I eventually worked hard enough on a first person shooter, I got to make a game about hugging. That would just be dropsy. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> I gotta come up with a new stick. I was, I was going to, uh, I was gonna say something, but then the mention of Dropsy just completely, like, blew it out of my head. That's okay. Uh, That's what Dropsy does. It derails thoughts. Oh no, I was thinking, um, that's sort of like, I mean, not, not quite that, not as friendly as that, um, but the, the movie Treasure Planet, was like a movie that two of the animation leads like wanted to make forever and ever and ever and it was like their pet project and Disney kept telling them no you can't make this and then they finally like I think then they made like Aladdin or like one or two other like really big hits uh and the and then the studio's like fine you can make your weird like Treasure Island but in space movie and then nobody saw Treasure. And Planet. then nobody saw it. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I think that's Disney's fault. I think that's a marketing failure, probably. That could be. I don't remember. That was I was small when that movie came out, but I'm mm-hmm. just gonna assume that that's the case. Who knows? I don't. I'm probably Disney. mangling that story too. That is probably not like an ag of like fully accurate thing of what happened. But I remember that it was something along those lines and that it was like a treasured pet project by the, the people who wanted to do it that they just pitched like for years. They kept pitching this. Okay. But what if we did like treasure Island, but in space, isn't that also sort of what um the good dinosaur was like, wasn't that John Lasseter's thing that he wanted to make forever and ever? Ugh, that movie is so bad. I know. And then it finally happened and it was not good. <laughs> God, that movie is so bad. I never actually saw it, but, uh... It's like Homeward Bound if all the characters were really unlikable. Oh, no. Um, yeah. And no one, no one learned or grew or changed in any way. (laughs) Okay, yeah, um, I... I had no desire to watch that movie uh, already, but now I have negative desire. It's it's interesting to see visually from a learning perspective. It's interesting to see in a like what not to do sort of sense because they try and do this really weird thing of like super hyper real environments. It has some of the most beautiful environmental animation I've ever seen. Like literally, it's amazing. It's like really, really hyper real. And then they put these ultra cartoony dinosaurs in it. 
that don't match the environments at all. <laughs> and it's like, wow, whose whose idea was that? Yeah, there's a a strong tendency to fall into that sort of uncanny valley trap uh, when you're designing like 3D characters. Uh, there's a lot of things about this movie that like are not super well thought out, um, like the fact that they use. They're like farmers, but they use tools that don't make any goddamn sense for dinosaurs that don't have hands. It's like... I mean, does it make sense that the dinosaurs farm? Well, the the premise of this is like that the dinosaurs never went extinct because the like meteor event never happened and so they like they evolved to the point of like human like intelligence and it's like all right fine i'm willing to accept that as a premise but like why do the dinosaurs use as as a club as a weapon like they don't have fucking hands they have to hold it in their mouth like oh, no. that doesn't make any sense you're a fucking brontosaurus hit it with your tail it's way more effective than a club but it isn't that's fun no, it I, looks I, stupid. I, it looks stupid and weird and dumb. I mean, maybe. I haven't seen it, but <laughs> I want realism. I'm not here. For, this is not a story that I want to watch because it's real or makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but it, it's just sort of like it, it raises so many questions about the internal consistency, I guess. It's like uh, a show that I watched a couple of minutes of uh, earlier today with uh, one of my nephews uh, called Dino Trucks, and it's about dinosaurs that are literally trucks. Like, they're... Is, that a, is that a Netflix series? I yeah, feel like I've it's, seen it's that. It's like a Netflix uh, DreamWorks collab. And, and Okay. Yeah, he wanted me to put on... Oh my god, it's spelled with an X. Yeah, it's spelled with an X. Dino, <laughs> Dino Trucks with an X. I remember, see, I remember seeing the, like, the, you know, thumbnail of that on Netflix and going like, Welp, that's clearly designed to capitalize on, like, every desire of, like, an eight-year-old. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I watched, I watched a few minutes of that today, and, and honestly, if the dinosaurs were trucks, that would really solve a lot of the uh, farming inconsistency problems, because <laughs> they're just... They just are the tool that they need. Yeah, like, exactly. I, I'm not gonna lie. This looks really, really fun. Like these toys. It's it's honestly like I, I've been spending a lot of time around small children lately. So I've been watching a lot of uh, like CG animated uh, children's media. Mm -hmm. Like my niece is obsessed with uh, PJ Masks, which is mm -hmm. uh, a cartoon about uh, little little kids who turn into superheroes like after bedtime. And mm -hmm. the, the supervillains that they fight are always other little kids, and it's always, <laughs> like, the most inconsequential, you know, villainy. Like, one of them is like, oh no, my, my party decorations for my birthday were stolen, and we have to go get them back from the, the ninja kid. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, there's. I mean, there are there are good ways of doing like silly little children's entertainment, and then there are like not good ways of doing it. And uh, <clears throat> I gotta tell you, I was very disappointed that like a studio of Pixar's quality could produce the last dinosaur. Yeah, actually, speaking of the opposite of that, um, also because of also because of children, I recently watched uh, the Captain Underpants movie. It is surprisingly good. Okay, good so, to know. So, if you ever have to watch a movie with a child, um, nudge them towards that one. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's dumb, but it, 
it got some chuckles out of me, and it actually was like, it it, it looked good. Okay. The the character nice. designs like weren't lazy in the way that a lot of a lot of those kinds of shows are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so Kelso, how do you think our game Grow Home would do for small children? <laughs> um, I think. I think that a child would probably not have the patience to stick it out uh, all the climbing. I think th- I feel like kids. It's not a matter of necessarily the patience because I feel like little kids have like sometimes remarkable patience, uh, considering that you know when we were kids we all played Mario, which like original Mario requires an insane amount of patience <laughs> and retrying things. But I worried that like. Because it's such a like drunken sort of control scheme, it might get frustrating when you, if you don't have the precision to move and you just fall a bunch, and then you're like, "Well, I can't do anything," and you would just stop. Yeah, I mean, I'm dealing with kids that are that are like four years old max, so they're kind of too young to understand uh, most game controls. Like I tried, yeah. I tried um, doing the two, the two person controls with my niece uh, in Mario, and that was. That was not good. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's like whatever. I'm not expecting, not expecting uh, a, a small child to really be an asset in this weird asymmetrical well, co-op of, that they give you. A lot of Nintendo games are like they're trying to design now to to have a secondary role for a player that is of like a, a younger age to encourage like families to play together. Yeah. Are you thinking of Galaxy? I'm thinking of Galaxy, yeah, uh, and the Starcatcher role, yeah, which is like, hey, here, it's not like you're not this, playing they... the game. Yeah, you're not playing the game. You're not controlling the win or lose state, but you have a way to like contribute and be helpful and feel like you're doing something. Yeah, in, in Odyssey, the way they handle it is that one controller uh, controls Mario, but the other one controls Cappy. So if if you don't have control over Cappy, that actually can screw you up because because like. Normally, if you're playing at one single player, you throw Cappy, and Cappy returns to you. But if if mm-hmm. another person has control of Cappy, they can just like fly around. <laughs> so if you need Cappy for like a, a jump, or if you need Cappy to like capture, uh, you know, an, an NPC, and they don't understand that that's what they, that that's like what their objective is, then mm-hmm. then you just can't you can't do that. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I think it would be good for, like, an older kid. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe not quite as young a kid as the, the kids you were playing yeah, with. I, I was I was basically just, like, uh, the last time we were watching uh, my nieces, uh, the older one, had had strep throat recently, so she was, like, still kind of run down and cranky, so I was, like, <laughs> trying to do anything to, mm-hmm. to get her to not be, you know, complainy. So, set the kid down in front of some video games. It yep. works. It works. So. The healing magic of video games. Yes. <clears throat> Alright, so to return us to the game that we actually played uh, this week. Yeah, we're doing a lot of tangents. Uh, um, and that's fine. So the one the one topic that I did sort of want to like talk about and maybe maybe segue off of again um, into other games, but uh, is this sort of idea of embodied controls. Um, So the idea that in order to do something in the game, you need to perform like a similar 
or at least conceptually similar action with your own body uh, as a way of making you feel closer to the character and like more uh, immersed in the game and more embodied in the game and things like that. And this game does that like very seriously in the way that in order to grip with one of the robot's hands, you have to literally grip the controller with your hand and like hold on. And I, I personally love embodiment in controls. I kind of have like just a, just a very like academic, you know, I, I have, I have a, like a, an academic boner for this subject. <laughs> like it's a thing that I'm interested in and interested in studying. But I know like a lot of people have very mixed feelings on that kind of control scheme or really don't like it. Um, so I don't know. How would you, how did you guys feel about the embodied controls in this game? So this is a topic that, like, it's one of what I feel is one of the most overrated design tools <laughs> in yeah. games. Because I don't really see it bringing anything. I figured I figured you would be on the contentious side of this, which is why I it's, brought it up. It's only second to, like, diegetic UI. <laughs> and I'm glad game's starting to move out of from that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I don't know, it feels just awkward, and you want to feel, you want to have the controls as smooth as possible, rather than trying to do the same thing. Yeah, I, I think I agree that, like, you shouldn't try and make the controls embodied at the expense of, like, feeling good. But I, I think my personal feeling was that this particular embodiment did feel good. Like, there was... This and, like, Shadow of the Colossus are my two, and both of them involve, like, gripping things, which is one of the few very embodied things you can do with a controller, with, like, a standard controller, is grip things or press things. Um... But I I, I like the feeling of, like, oh, I'm I'm hanging on, and if I let go, then I let go. Um, And I, I don't know. For me, that, like, really... Um, that really connects me to, like, feeling like I'm directly controlling the game. I'm glad that you brought this up, actually, because I, because you, you mentioned this exact same thing, and I think it was also in, in relation to gripping and climbing, uh, way back when we talked about brothers. Oh, yeah. So when I, um, when I was playing this game, I was thinking about that. Um, I, I'm, I tend to be in, in favor of, you know, embodying in controls. Uh, I think it's a little more effective in something like Brothers, where it's selectively used. Um, <laughs> uh, or it's not the whole control it's scheme. It's not the whole control scheme. Like, I, I don't, I didn't, and I didn't mind it. Like, obviously, I've, I've 100%ed this game, uh, and I've now played through it twice uh, with no complaints. I think it would have been nice to maybe have like a toggle option where I don't know because I'm a weak baby and my hands got tired <laughs> after like huge stretches of climbing uh, a couple of times so I feel like that you know. but then you'd actually end up having to press the button twice as often because you'd for every time you moved it you'd do once to click it on and then once to click it off Not yeah that's maybe a toggle isn't like uh, yeah, toggle would probably require Yeah, no, it's toggle isn't... I think I... That's what I said, and I maybe should have picked a different word. Uh, <laughs> like, like a... Uh, 
I was talking more about toggling on and off, like, an air... A con- a, another auto, control screen. Auto climb, not auto climb, yeah. like a, a sticky climb, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it would be interesting. It would be a very different design and a very different feel. Like, yeah. so much of this game is about the feel of the controls that it would probably, you know, it would be almost a completely different game to design a different mm-hmm. control screen scheme. Which is not to say that, say that they couldn't have done it, but, it, you know, it would have been a lot more time-intensive to, yeah. and, to do and a second to scheme, probably. I, like, absolutely require it, and I detest this game otherwise, because mm-hmm. that is clearly not the case. But... Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 there's one thing that I could like change to streamline this game, it would it would find some way to make the climbing, like really long stretches of climbing, particularly um, a little less tedious. Because you know, yeah. like small climbs it, are not a big deal. But if you it is not... it is true that your your fingers do get tired after a while okay. of doing that I'm for sure. The only one. <laughs> I mean, it this is one of the games where it really sort of works well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I don't know. So, so it's what overrated. Are, what are games where you where you think it uh, detracts from the experience, Carl? Just, like, for examples in my head. I mean, I, I think Brothers, <laughs> to some extent. But, uh, like, Brothers sort of also require some kind of control schemes like that. Yeah, because you have to, because it's, you know, you have to have separate controls for both brothers, so to some extent you have to do something that you can do symmetrically on the controller. And it's it's kind of hard to understand, like, what they, if they felt like we're going to make the control scheme and then make the game, or we're going to make the game and then make the control scheme. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's one of those ideas that, like, is sort of entwined within both. This idea of like, hey, what if we made a game about that's about two characters cooperating and it's a game where you have to like you have to manage them both on like the same controller, one with each hand. Right? Like it it feels like a game where those two concepts are like those two things are both inextricable parts of the core concept that you couldn't really have one without the other. Yeah. Which is not necessarily the case here. I think it would still be very easy to have a game about growing a plant in space uh, that doesn't use, like, grip controls for climbing. Um, but I'm glad they did because I actually – I really love the way that it feels. I think it, it feels, like, very personal and sort of intimate. And it it has the – the feel like it gives you the feeling of the robot like if you spend a lot of time climbing you're like phew that was a that was a very arduous climb like my fingers are a little sore from from climbing so much and you really feel the danger of like when you're dangling from a, a high precipice you're like oh shoot i better not let go i i need to make sure i'm always gripping with one hand or else i'm going to fall to my death uh this actually makes me wonder um because uh, the the guy who directed uh, Brothers is uh, mm-hmm. Joseph Fares, who's also directing A Way Out, and I really, really want more of that kind of thing in A Way Out. And it, I hope, like it, it looks like we're gonna get some sort of stuff like that. But I think what is A Way Out? It's a game where about two guys who are escaping prison together, and it's got like <laughs> I think it's got uh, it's like split screen. Yeah, it's I think it's got couch co-op, and I think it also has like. Um, online co-op, 
But it's always split-screen, I think. Yeah, but it's always split-screen, so, like, one person is controlling one of the characters, and the other person is controlling the other character. I'm really looking forward to this game. And you have to work together to escape prison? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's an interesting way of framing multiplayer. Like, hey... You don't necess- you shouldn't necessarily trust this person, but you have to because you have to work together in order to accomplish this goal. Yeah, like, but it, you don't know if they're trustworthy. You don't know if they're a good person. It, it's such a strange uh, follow-up for, you know, brothers <laughs> being sort of this not necessarily lighthearted, but this very mm-hmm. fantasy, very fairy tale romp to break out of prison with your buddy. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's it has a through line, but it also does not at all. Yeah, it has a mechanical through line, but not so much a narrative one. Well, I mean, you might not notice, but I'm Swedish, and this director (laughs) is a famous Swedish movie director. Yeah, is he? So most of his stuff is like. It's not really fantasy, any of it. Yeah, I... I've so at... Brothers was just sort of a fluke? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I've looked at his filmography. I haven't actually watched any of his films yet. I've been I've been meaning to for a while. Um, do you have any recommendations, Carl? Um, I don't know. I don't know how well they translate. Huh. Cops is kind of fun. Alright, alright. I'll keep that in mind. So I actually feel like a prison escape game would be better played with strangers than friends. Because I think that that's sort of... Assuming that you're not in a position where you need to have uh, like strong communication in person, it seems like escaping from prison with someone that you may or may not be able to trust, if you really wanted to get into the narrative mindset of that, you should, you should play with randos from the internet. I mean, that's... Sort of depends how how you frame it, really. If you're escaping with a stranger or escaping with a buddy. Yeah, that's and true. I can see escaping with a stranger being frustrating. <laughs> well, but yeah, but then it would be you know the the frustration of working with r- internet randos would be narratively justified, I guess. Yeah, Which but it's still frustrating. I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking about um, playing Portal co-op. Like even with friends, that's immensely frustrating. Um. I I disagree. Like the Portal co-op for me is like the best game co-op experience that I've ever had. Was the Portal Two co-op? Oh, like because imagine it, playing with a stranger that goes AFK. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't want to do it with a stranger. Like Portal Portal co-op is something that you have to be, and that's what I loved about it. It was was that something that you must actually communicate with your partner about. Yeah. Right? It's like not something that you can just, you know, like everybody does their own thing and nobody ever says anything. It's very much a like, hey, okay, why don't you try this and I'll try this? Or like, let's try this together. And there was a like a real exchange of ideas, which to me does not happen a lot in co-op games. Um, usually there's like, either it's obvious what everyone should do or the... um like there's one person who ends up sort of taking the lead and being the person who gives directions and then everyone else just follows it. Um, and that, from, at least from my experience, did not happen in the Portal 2 co-op. And that was pretty amazing. Yeah. That happened to me, I think, where one person took the lead. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I don't know, after moving each other for 
about an hour. Someone just needed to like give up and listen to the other person. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you do have to like definitely you have to communicate with with each other one way or another. You have to say like, okay, listen, I'm gonna do this and you do this, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll figure it out. But I like maybe it's just that uh, you know that I happened to be playing with Huck and we were pretty evenly matched. But it felt like a really good match of like both of us sort of alternating and having ideas and figuring out how to solve a given thing. Yeah, that that was probably my issue, as I think I was playing with someone who was like not super invested in uh, actually solving the puzzles. So it kind mm-hmm. of devolved into just us dunking on each other. Um, Aww. <laughs> which can be That fun. is a bit of a shame. So, um, you know. Also a great co-op for like good learning, good communication skills. If you guys haven't played Overcooked, uh, oh, in person yeah. with other people. Overcooked is so good for, like, teaching you communication skills. Uh, where you, you, like, really, really have to coordinate with other people. And, like, you know, yell out what needs to be done. And yell out what you're doing so other people know, like, what your task is. And that they shouldn't try and do the same thing. And it's, it's very hectic. But it's, uh, it's an, it's a fascinating game. So much like working in an actual kitchen. That's what I believe. I've never actually worked in a real kitchen, but I feel like absolutely like I've seen portrayals of how kitchen kitchen work, you know, like kitchen running goes. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely like I'm like, oh, I understand why you need to like have the particular call and response that they have working in a kitchen. Like that makes sense here because it's like very useful. Yeah, I haven't I haven't actually worked in a kitchen, but I I have worked with people who've worked in kitchens. Uh, outside of that context, and they'll still say behind if they're like walking behind you. It's actually super. <laughs> it's actually super helpful. Or if they're like coming in the door, they'll mm-hmm. they'll let you know that they're going in the door like before, you know, before they actually open the door, <laughs> so that you don't get yeah. like knocked. It it's really helpful, and I wish more. Uh, more workplaces would adopt those kinds of conventions. Yep. Yeah. Got it all figured out. Yep. So anyway, I recommend Overcooked for people who are looking for interesting co-op experiences. I'm also playing Secret of Mana with Huck on uh, on on my morning Sunday streams right now, and that's an interesting co-op experience. <laughs> they chose to just make it entirely symmetrical, which is so like player two can also initiate menus and like save the game and do everything that player one can, and it's like. We're working, you know, we're doing okay with it, but I could see that, like, ruining friendships in the wrong scenario. That, yeah, that could be, like, a marriage tester. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't realize it was it was that so much. Like, I've played Secret of Mana, but I've played it, I just played it, like, by myself. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize Player 2 had, had all of the freedom in the world. Yep. Oh yep. boy. <laughs> and they lock the camera too. If they if the two players are like at the edges of the camera, you just can't go further until one of the other players like comes in the right direction. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Early early co-op. Early like attempts at co-op couch gameplay. And there are a lot of very hard problems involved in co-op games. Uh that, you know, this game this game solves but not necessarily super well but i'm not sure that they these problems have ever been solved super well so it's true i mean you have like 
the dedicated co-op games, like, keep talking and nobody explodes. Yeah, that's is. true. But that's sort of facing a different set of problems. Um, yeah. Because that's built around this sort of, uh, like, multiplayer, uh, un, un, um, like, asymmetric experience. Uh, I guess one, one game that solved it pretty well is, uh, the, the Lego games have like a pretty solid co-op. They do things like, um, the screen is one screen when both players are near each other and as they go apart, it like gradually split screens. Oh yeah. Which is kind of cool. And like, I'm like, okay, that's a pretty solid solution to that problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, split screen is gross and ugly and we, but we, you know, is, is also the only way to let players have, both have control over the camera. So let's just use it when it's necessary and not use it when it's not necessary. Yeah, I mean, it does, it does serve its purpose. Even yeah. though it doesn't look great doing it. Yeah. Um, anyway, do we have anything else to say specifically about Grow Home? Or about literally any other topic that comes to mind? <laughs> yeah. We got very I mean... distracted in this. <laughs> didn't have much to say about Grown. It's like a small and very tight experience. Yeah, it is like, it has a feel. Mm -hmm. It gives you that feel for like five hours or so, and then it's done. And like, that's fine. It's a good feel to have. I'm happy I played it. Like I said, I bought the sequel, because I'm like, yeah, I can see myself wanting to do some more of this. Yeah, I'm interested to see if you have uh, the same feelings about the sequel that I have, which I won't, I won't, uh, divulge right now because I don't want to color your thinking. Color the experience. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I the first one I ended up being when once I had like finished the main area and was just like exploring around for seeds, it was a real good game to play while listening to an audiobook or a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um because it's like it's just sort of zen, you're just kind of wandering around the space, like you don't need to pay attention to any dialogue or anything like that. Um, so it's, it's just like a relaxing visual noise to have while, like, you're, you're paying attention to a podcast. Yeah. Cool. So that's yeah. my story, and I'm sticking to it. Alright. Yeah. Alright, shall I talk about, uh, the next game? Yeah, I have, uh, nothing else about, about this game, so go for it. Alright, cool. So, next up, uh, we are going to be playing her story, uh, which if you catch the, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, there is a Lunar New Year sale going on on Steam right now, and it is like less than $4, I think. Um, so, like, grab it. <laughs> um, but it is, it was, this is, a, it's a movie video game written and directed by Sam Barlow, uh, released in 2015. Um, so it's like, my understanding, based on, like, Seanbo sort of explained it a little bit in that it's a database game where the primary mechanic is searching for things, like searching via keyword. So it's one of those games where the more direct information you, the player, has, the, like, the more you can, um, the further you get in the game. Uh, in the same way that, like, uh, in Mist, if you know about the, like, the white pages and you know, like, what page the answer to that, um, you know, that the, the final puzzle thing is on, you could just go directly into the library and go straight to the end of the game without doing any of the rest of the game. I understand this is sort of similar, but, like, once you have the information contained in the story, you could, you could just, like, go directly to the end of the game. 
Um, but the description uh, on the, the cover picture says it is a game about a woman talking to the police. So I, I know very little about it other than that. Um, and other than like a lot of people have said it's really interesting and that it's like a sort of required reading for game devs. So I'm excited to finally get to play it. If you if you, like me, have been thinking, oh, I should probably play that for a long time and have not like had an excuse to do so, here's your excuse to do so. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, yeah. it's, I'm looking at the Steam page, it's like $3.60 American right now. Uh, regular price, it's like 6 bucks. so really, yeah. not, a, not a huge investment. Yeah, you don't, even if, even if you don't catch it on sale, it's not exactly like the most expensive game. Mm-hmm. It's not a $60 title. True. Yeah. Alright, here's story. We're playing, playing it next. Yeah. Exciting. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah. Shall we do plugs? Yeah, Kelso. Who are you? Hello, I'm Kelso. <laughs> Congratulations, you found me. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Well, what am I saying? Um, I am at Kelso Time Bomb on Twitter, and uh, I have an art tweet at K Time Bomb Art. I do this podcast that you are so generously listening to at this very moment. Uh, in case you didn't know that I am on the podcast. Here's your confirmation. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yes. She's the only one of us who is. Um, no. All right. Uh, I am I am Kyla Fury. Uh, I am on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. Uh, I do a weekly stream uh, where I stream old nostalgic games that I didn't get to play when they came out, and we sort of see how the nostalgia holds up in the modern day. Uh, right now I am playing Secret of Mana co-op with my husband, uh, and as a, as a test of our marriage, uh, <laughs> because dang, these co-op controls though. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I do that every week, and, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter for information about schedule changes and stuff. Hello. Hello. <laughs> follow me on Twitter, at Skug3. Excellent. There you go. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> We're done. This We've has, played a game. This has We're playing another game. Yes. Come back in two weeks to ta- hear us talk about another game that you might be interested in. And play it with us. And if you want to talk about it with us, message us. Because you can totally come talk about it with us. Yeah. you could. It's super easy. All you have to do is be free on a Sunday afternoon and have Skype. Yep. Those and have, and preferably have played the game. Yeah, that, that also helps. Like, those are three requirements. Three, yep. the, the bar is low. Is what, <laughs> is what we are saying. Yep. Alright, well thank you all for joining us. And, and we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see back. you hopefully in two weeks. Yeah. Well, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.